morning to you. I'm sorry, good morning to you. It's good to see you all and to welcome you folks watching online today too. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. We're doing a short series on God's plan for authority. Would you say that with me, please? God's plan for authority. And Lord, open the word to us. This passage can change us and our families and our companies and our churches forever. So Lord, teach us your way by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Uh, Did you hear about the lady who just had a real sweet tooth and on the way to work, she had a problem. There was a tremendous bakery on the way to work and they just had the best chocolate chip cookies and you could smell them four blocks away. And this dear soul would stop every day on the way to work and get a dozen. And some would show up and some wouldn't show up to work. And she did this for quite a while. And she realized she probably ought to curtail. And so to push the temptation away, she decided to take an alternate route. And she called it her detour. So she said, if I don't go past the bakery, I won't be tempted, so I won't buy any. And so that worked fine until one day there was road construction. And she had to go her old standard way. And she felt, you know, her, you know, her, she was clutching the steer wheel and she wanted to go. And a mile before she got there, she prayed a prayer. That's what you do, right? She said, dear Lord. Uh, I'm kind of casting a fleece here. Dear Lord, if, if, if it would please you for me to stop and get a dozen hot chocolate chip cookies right out of the oven, I pray that there'd be a sign from God that as I pulled by, there would be a, a parking space right in front of the door. And I pray this in Jesus' name, Lord, and I just wait for your answer. And then uh, when she got home that night, She brought a box in and her husband saw the box and said, you've been at the bakery again. And I think there were two cookies left over. And she just said, I have to be honest with you. I asked the Lord's help. And I said, if you really want me to stop and Lord, it would be a great blessing to me. I pray there'd be a parking space right in front of the door of the bakery. And she said, honey, the miracle happened. There was a space right there, but I had to drive around the block eight times for the Lord to answer my prayer. Well, that's a, that's a bona fide mystery. But this chapter has a lot of deep mysteries over things you've thought about and I've thought about for a long time. And uh, uh, take notes today. I do not think we're going to get through this. There's just too much material. A couple of questions. Is there strife in your house? Uh, Do you ever quarrel with your spouse? Do you see anger in your workplace? Well, what we're going to talk about today has the potential to take a lot of anger out of your home because it really helped my house. And uh, I would urge you to pay attention And let's look at the scriptures. And, you know, it seems like people are one of two kinds. There's people that like to do things the easy way. How many like to do things the easy way? Or there's people that you might label as obstinate and proud, and you're not telling them anything, and they have to learn the hard way. Do I have anybody like that? You kind of have to learn the hard way. Well, the book of Jeremiah is about God's people, the Jews, learning the hard way. Because they fell into idolatry, they deserted the scriptures, and they deserted their God. God ended up sending the Babylonian Empire to discipline them. And if you depart from the Lord, God will allow things in your life to discipline you. And three different times, the Babylonians took Jerusalem, and when they did it the last time in 586 BC, probably a million people died, 
Every wall, every house was absolutely leveled to ground, including Solomon's temple. All because they wouldn't listen. They were hardheads. They didn't pay attention. Now, before we look at the text, let me give you a verse because Isaiah was a contemporary of Jeremiah. He was also in the city lobbying the prince, the princes and the king and the military commanders obey the Lord. Do the right thing. Don't use your common sense because it will fail you. So his famous words, would you read it with me please? For my thoughts are not and neither your ways, my ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. If my thinking is here, God's thinking is 10,000 miles higher than mine. I need to think his thoughts. I need to be in the scriptures. I need to get his counsel. Now let's go to Romans 13, seven verses. And this is going to be a short series. I do not know if it's three weeks or four weeks, but this is complicated stuff. I'm sorry, it's been a long, long, long time since I've taught this, but this is very important. And uh, most of my messages are standalone, whether it's on marriage or revelation or Genesis or evangelism, you come one time, you get it. This is not a standalone series. This, this builds on top of each other. So you need to pay attention. And you need to kind of, if you can't come, you need to go back online and read these. And before I read the passage, I want to say your pastor will be off today on something. Any Bible teacher, any evangelist is always off on something. There's nobody absolutely gets it right all the time. God will not allow it. And the same is for me. But here's what I want you to do. Don't put me on a pedestal. Put the scriptures on a pedestal. You wrestle with what the word of God says. You squeeze it. You look at it. You turn it inside out. You get more out of it than I even think I could possibly get out of it. And let's start. This is um, English Standard Version today, chapter 13, verse 1. It says, let every person, how many? Every person. Be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, in other words, because of the previous sentences, what comes into play is important. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment or discipline or wrath. For rulers are not a terror to good behavior, but to bad. Would you have no fear to the, you who would have no fear to the one who is an authority? Then just do what's good. And in most countries of the world, If the adults and citizens behave themselves, they don't have to fear the government. Some governments are crazy, but even in the most godless uh, governments in the country, the most autocratic rulers, by and large, they suppress crime. Let me read on. Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. If you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not, for he does not, does he not, I can say this, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He is a servant of God and an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God. The next time you get pulled over by a highway patrolman and you're going 80 miles an hour in a 60-mile zone, 
When he tells you to roll down the window, I want you to have a big smile. And I say, I want to thank you, officer, for stopping me. Because you are a blessing, for you are a minister of God. And see what how they look at you. For he is a minister of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but for the sake of conscience. For because of now you pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. By the way, as Christians, pay your bills. And respect to those who respect is due and honor to those who honor is due. Now, first point. God in his kingdom is a God of order. Is that true or false? That is true. God likes order. He is not the author of confusion, 1 Corinthians 14 says. I don't like confusion. In the church, in my family, in my life, I like stuff stable. I like stuff peaceful. And the kingdom of the Lord Jesus, and I listed six or seven things, they're categorized by some things. And sometimes we don't think about these things. We're not grateful for these things. But the kingdom of the Lord Jesus is a stable kingdom. He wants us to be stable people. It is a kingdom of peace. It's not a kingdom of strife. It is a kingdom of unity of purpose. People are all on the same page. It is a kingdom of service. A lot of people in leadership want others to serve them. In Jesus' kingdom, leaders serve God's people. It is a kingdom of humility. We don't have everything figured out. We are dependent on God and dependent on other people. When you lose humility, you're in trouble. You're just in trouble. Humility means you don't understand it all, and it's okay not to understand it all. And then it's a kingdom of love, and it's a kingdom of trust. Everything in the world, everything in heaven is based on relationship. Church is a relationship. Marriage is a relationship. Parenting is a relationship. Business is a relationship. The Trinity is a relationship. Um, Salvation, a relationship. Missions, the best missionaries are the ones that do relationships very, very, very well. And all that's based on one thing, trust. Satan's kingdom. On the opposite side, it's characterized by division. There's always division. There's always drama. There's always anger. I hope if I were to ask you, are are you an angry person? Is there anger in your home? Is there strife in your home? Is your home a place where there's fear versus trust? Is there rebellion? And self-willed independence. Yeah, some independence is good, but when independence looks like this, you're not telling me what to do. I don't need you. I don't need anybody. That is demonic. We need each other. We need each other. And then characterized by pride. Pride is what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven when he led a rebellion because he wanted to usurp God's place. Is this these two kingdoms clear? Yes or no? Okay. Now, all these years of trying to help people and me trying to uh, walk with the Lord, this is one thing I've learned. If a person never learns to obey human authority... They will never learn to obey God's authority because they think, just like the prodigal son, life is about them. 
Life is never about you and life is never about me. It's about God and about others. And one day this young man came to his daddy and said, Dad, I'm tired of this. I'm not taking orders anymore. You're not telling me what to do. I hate that stupid older brother and I'm out of here and I want, I want my share now. Very short sighted. And those kind of people that do this, they're headed for a train wreck because they never learn to take orders. They never learn to give respect. They never learn to give honor because they think life is about them. And I hope that's not you. If a person never learns the biblical principle of submission, and everybody has to. If you never learn to submit, you're going to be a worthless employee. If you can't submit, please stay out of the Marine Corps. If you can't submit, please don't get married, whether you're a male or female. Because life is based on others, not on you. And if you can't learn to give honor, you will never get honor. And people demand honor. When they have no, no reason anybody should honor them because of their sorry, sorry attitude. Here's the story. The young man that killed the giant David. He was brought into uh, the king's house to lead worship and chase away the demonic spirits that messed with Saul. And even after he was anointed the next king. For 10 years, Saul made his life miserable. He tried to kill him for 10 years. David never disrespected him. Never once. Never once. He never said, well, I'll kill this man and I'll take the throne. He never did that. He said, I am a loyal man and I will support my king forever. And even later on, when he and his men are running from Saul's SWAT teams and Saul took a nap in a, in a cave and David and 50 or maybe a hundred men were hiding in the cave. And one of the men said, this is your time. Take your revenge on this man, this murdering man that's killed a lot of people. And he's trying to kill us. This is God's opportunity for you to kill him. And David was goaded and he went up and he didn't kill him, but he took his sword, his, his dagger out and he cut off the hem of his garment. Later on to show Saul, I could have killed you. I'm not trying to kill you. I'm loyal. I'm supportive. And you know, the Lord honored David's submission. And in this day and time, people think leadership is about grabbing power. It is never about grabbing power. It's about surrendering power. It's about the path of humility. A godly leader doesn't grab power. A godly leader surrenders power by helping other people. He gives his power away. Now, let's get to the text. Here's what Paul writes. He says, let every person, please repeat that. One more time. Every, let every person. I've studied this and looked at the Greek and I looked at the Russian. I looked at the Spanish. I looked at the Portuguese. No, I didn't. Every person, do you know what every person means? Every person means every person. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you, sis. Turn That's you. That's you, big boy. This is for you. This is for you. This is for the guy in the rocking chair. This is for all of us. Let every person what? Be subject. Everyone say be subject. That means we need to learn to be submissive. Now, in American Christianity, that word has become a negative word where men abuse their wives. Jesus was subject. Men need to be subject. But what this is, this is a military term. It's a Greek word for what they saw in the Roman Army. It's what Navy SEALs would use. It's a term that British SAS commandos would use. It means whoever is in charge, they get my absolute obedience. If they are my superior officer, they get my absolute 
100% obedience. Well, why, Steve? Because on the battlefield, with the squad of six Navy SEALs, if the second lieutenant is telling everyone to do this, everyone either does it or people die or their position gets overrun. It must be immediate, it must be absolute, and it must be obedient from the heart. Otherwise, something happens, and it's called, what is it called? Chaos. I don't want chaos in my home. I don't want chaos in my church. I don't want chaos in my marriage. I want things to be peaceful and stable and loving and helpful. Well, Steve, what about competency? What if the Roman centurion was the worst of 10 centurions? It doesn't matter. He's your centurion. You do what he asks you to do. Well, what about the, what about the morality of my supervisor at work? I mean, he drinks himself silly every single night. He spends more time at the bar than he does at home. He's your supervisor. You help him. You pray for him. But as long as he's your supervisor and you're taking the paycheck, you do all you can to support him and do what he asks you to do. Well, what about, what about my principal is unreasonable? And I'm a teacher. I teach third grade and my principal is unreasonable. They're asking me to stay over. They're asking me to do these projects. If you're the teacher, you're in that school, and your principal asks you to do it, do it. To the best of your ability. Now, what is this a picture of? We talked about Mustangs a couple weeks ago. Uh, we, we raised Tennessee walking horses. Uh, my dad was great as a, as a horse trainer. Are Mustangs beautiful? Are they beautiful to look at? Uh, guess what they're good for? They're good to look at. They're not good for anything else. That's my opinion. Oh, Steve, you hate horses. No, I don't hate God's little horsey creatures. I don't hate them. I just know this. Mustangs are untamed. There's never been a saddle. There's never been a bridle. There's nobody to put shoes on their feet. They are, they are untamed. They are unpredictable. And if you go up to Mr. Thunder and think you want to pet Mr. Thunder, Mr. Thunder may bite your face off. Or Mr. Thunder may kick your brains in. Because they are wild and untamed. Again, you want to go look out in the desert? Oh, look, they're so beautiful. Don't try to ride one, please. Look at the difference. Are you ready for the difference? This is a, a horse that is broken. This is a horse that is trained. This is a useful horse on a ranch. This is a horse that is a great asset to a rancher. Would you agree with me? Why are they an asset? Because they are dependable. They are useful. They are valuable and they are trusted. If you have a horse that you can't trust because they might bite you, if you have a horse that might kick you, if you have a horse that might run you into a tree or a fence, you need to get rid of Mr. Nag. Steve, why are you talking about horses? Because this is on a third grade level, remember? Third grade level. I want to be like the trained, submissive horse that's broken to the master's touch. If the master whistles, I want to come. If the master just puts enough pressure with his knees for stopping, I want to stop. If he tells me to go, I want to go. If he tells me to stay, I want to stay. Because that's what God is looking for in you and me. And if you never learn to be submissive to the master's touch and to those he's wanting to break you in by, 
You will be no good to the kingdom. So do you want to be good to the kingdom? Yes or no? Hold your hand up. Okay, I do too. You say, well, how about Jesus? Was Jesus submissive? Was Jesus, was he subject? Oh, yes, he was. He's our example from Philippians 4, 8. Would you read it, please? Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Mind means have this your attitude, Steve. This is your attitude for tomorrow, Steve. He was third per, he was the second person of the Trinity. He was God himself. And yet he said, I will honor the father first. And then the verse says, go on, read it with me. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a Bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. See, a servant could have been put into servitude through war. But a bond servant is someone that chooses volunteers to serve. Lord, I volunteer to serve. That's my attitude. And read this, please. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of, on the cross. So you want to be like Jesus? Humble yourself. You want to be like Jesus? Obey him. And obey the ones he's put over you. Now I'm going to say this three times today. Because I don't want you to say, well, what about this? What about that? Because I will, we'll, we'll talk in the coming weeks how God uses unpleasant and unreasonable authorities over us to shape us into the image of Jesus. We'll talk in the coming weeks. What if you're asked to do something wrong? How do I appeal to those in authority over me? And we'll talk even about how do we handle this husband and wife thing so we're in harmony together instead of picking and fighting each other. Now let me say this, never do evil when anyone asks you to, much less authority. Let me say it a second time. Never, everyone say never. Never do evil. When asked to do that by authority. And I want to say, this is not blind obedience. You're not some robot. You don't check your brains at the door. Third time, never do wrong when authority asks you to do wrong. Now let's go deeper into this. This is complicated. This is deep. This is broad. Let me attempt to make some sense out of it. This passage that says all authority was created by God. And there's no authority on earth except established by God. Well, Steve, does this rule out human free will. No, it does not. God is greater than free will. Here, Moses is told to bring God's people out of Egypt. And he said, and God told him, Pharaoh's going to resist you, but I'm going to put pressure on Pharaoh and he's going to get harder and harder and harder and harder, but I'll take care of Pharaoh. You do what I've asked you to do. You see, we have to have a big picture that God has an ultimate plan. And God's ultimate plan will get done. Time out. I want you to write this in the margin. This is the most important thing I'll say. I might be wrong about this. But this is the most important thing I want to say today. The things that God does on the earth, in history, in America, in Israel, in Japan, in Chicago, here in Lexington, often he does these things as part of plan B, not plan A. Because the church is disobedient. The church will not do what he told the church to do in missions, evangelism, prayer, loving the poor. But just because he is working a big plan, I'm always on the hook. I am responsible 
for what he's asked me to do. And you're responsible for what he's asked you to do in this timeline of history. Now, he says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And looking through scripture, I see four, how many? Four governing authorities in scripture. That's a part of our lives. First is government. Everyone say government. And all citizens are under some form of government around the globe. And Peter, who actually died by being nailed upside down on a cross in Rome by Nero, he wrote this to Christians who were being persecuted in Rome. He said, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every institution, whether to a king as to one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. That's what Peter wrote. So government, if my government asks me to do something, I'm going to attempt to do it unless they're asking me to do something immoral, unrighteous. Then I will appeal to government, and my other action is to suffer for what's doing for what they asked me to do, like Peter did. We're not going to stop preaching. <clears throat> the second uh, form of authority is the church, the body of Christ, and this is true in Vietnam. This is true in Kansas City. This is true. This is how God's family works. This is what produces stability. This is what produces peace. This is what produces uh, deep relationships. Obey your leaders, Hebrews 13 says, and submit to them. For they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that which that would be of no advantage to you. We've all heard horror stories. We, we get that. But we want to do the best we can to uh, make our church family thrive. Third is leadership in the home. That's husbands, wives, grandparents, children. When I did youth ministry as a volunteer for 10 or 15 years, you would be surprised at the number of teenagers who would come to me and said, I hate my parents. Why do you hate my parents? Well, they're making me do this or they're making me do that. I said, how would you like to make that strife go away? I would love to make that go away. How do I do that? Well, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6. But you're going to have to learn a new attitude, a new language towards your parents. Well, what is it? Well, let's find it. Children. And that's children that's three. And I think children that's 18. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is what? What is this? Right. Honor your father and mother. That's if I'm 45, I'm going to honor my parents all my life. This is the first commandment found in scripture with a promise. And the promise is, and I've told teenagers, if you do this, you're going to do well in life. And you're going to have a long, strong and prosperous life if you honor the word of God. Because if you can't honor your parents, when you get married, your marriage will be a train wreck. And your children will torment you. All because you never learn the basics of how to navigate in a family. The fourth one are the masters over all employees. Now, Paul, they were seeing millions of Christians come to Christ all all over the empire. But many of these people were enslaved people. They were Greeks. They were Germans. They were Franks. They were people from North Africa. And they were going, well, I'm a Christian, but I've got this boss. I've got this owner. What do I do? Here's what you do. Servants, obey those who are your human masters in everything. Not with eye service or as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. And I do it because I fear and love the Lord. That boss of yours who torments you, that boss of yours that ridicules you, you turn them over to the Lord. You determine you're going to be the best employee. You're always going to speak high of them. You're going to show them respect. You're going to show them honor. And you will watch the Lord change their heart. But your heart has to change first. 
And it'll change all the employees around you. Now, let me go from preaching to meddling. Can I go meddling? Is it okay if pastor goes meddling from time to time? Verse number three. Did you see it? Might be two. Two, there's no authority except from God. And those that exist are established by God. Steve, you're absolutely crazy. I said, I am, but it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We may not understand what God is up to. We may not like what's going on in the Ukraine, what's going on in England, what's going on in Saudi Arabia. It may make no sense to us what's going on in Frankfurt, what's going on in Washington. But here's what I do know. As a Christian, are, are, state, okay, Steve, so are you telling me because God establishes authority that my vote doesn't matter and my participation doesn't matter? Quite the opposite. If we do not participate, if we do not vote, if we do not become salt and light in our city and state and nation, you know what happens? Darkness overcomes it. And we end up with wicked leaders. And sometimes, boy, this sounds harsh. We end up with the leaders our country deserves because we are a wicked country. And we have slaughtered 60 million children. And we are letting the craziest things go and no one's speaking up. And God is looking to heaven and go, okay, you like that? How about some more? And all this is a mystery. I'm just trying to figure out what I can figure out. Now, here's what I do know. And maybe this will comfort you like it's comforting me. It keeps me from going nutso and hiding in my cellar. God has a long plan. Everyone say long plan. One more time, long plan. And he will use flawed men. Wicked women to carry out his flaw, his long plan. Okay, you ready for the $50 million question? If somebody at Kroger asks you this question tomorrow and they ask this question, Steve, what is, what does God ultimately want? Is it It's probably not what we think we want. he wants. Here's ultimately what he wants. Are you ready for it? He wants a great commission fulfilled. He wants every tribe. He's more concerned about every tribe, every tongue, every language group to hear the gospel than he's more con- concerned with Democrats and Republicans, even though he's concerned about that. He wants people to go to heaven. And he will sacrifice the comfort of Americans. I believe he will even allow an economy to implode in our country to get our attention. We're praying for revival. And we think we can get revival and continue to live the way we've lived and the church be as cold as the church is. Well, that ain't happening. And if he wants things, and this is not his plan A, but if plan B, if plan A is God to bless us and help us, plan B is judgment. And if it takes judgment to wake us up, he will say, put on your seatbelt because I love you and I want to see people go to heaven. So this guy, Adolf Hitler, One of the most wicked people in history started a war, killed 50 million people, killed 6 million Jews, 
Could God use this wicked man? Well, Jews fled out of Europe and created a nation and fulfilled Ezekiel. Could God use this man, Joseph Stalin, probably more wicked than Adolf Hitler? Could God use this man, a man who said there is no God, Christianity is legal. i tell you what he did do. He threw all the missionaries out of China because then the indigenous church in China had to own it. And today, the church in China is probably 10 times stronger than the church in America because God used wicked people to put pressure on the church. This chairman, she is putting a lot of pressure on the church in China. It's you, it's, it's really bad. Well, it's going to backfire on him and it's going to backfire on this guy too. And I'm praying for the greatest revival to come out of the Ukraine and a great revival to come out of Russia. Can I keep? No, I'm just, I'm, I'm talking out loud. I'm meddling here. God actually prefers to use the church than these guys. God actually prefers to use righteous men than these guys. But let me tell you some things. Who is this guy? Pharaoh. If God can use Pharaoh to make it hard on the Jews, to make them hardy, and to expel them, God will use Pharaoh. This man, Cyrus the Great, named in Isaiah 200 years before he was born, is the guy that wrote the edict. I want the people of Israel to go home, and I will pay for their journey home. If God can use Alexander the Great, who came to conquer Jerusalem with his massive army at the doors, and a rabbi met him and brought the Jewish scrolls and unfolded them and showed him where his name was and where he was in the Old Testament. And he spared Jerusalem, and he made Greek the trade language that you now have your Greek New Testament in. And if God would use this man, not particularly a man of faith, but Harry Truman, to stand against all of his advisors to say, I will support the brand new nation of Israel. And God honored him. And even this man, Pontius Pilate, God used this wicked man so we could go to heaven. Now, are you still with me or did I lose you? Now, I know I'm not going to get through this. Point number two, when you are going through pressure because of unjust authority over you, unreasonable authority, what he's looking for is to see if you will trust him still. Lord, I don't like it. I don't understand it, but I trust you today. And I want you to learn to look where God is at work. Because he's calling you to make a difference in the midst of your pressure. Now, the scripture says in verse number three, the one that resists authority, your boss is trying to get you to do something. Your mom is speaking to you over and over and over about something. Your husband is putting pressure on you. You need to step back. Ask the Lord what he's up to because you may find yourself resisting God and the plans that are to benefit you. And the last thing I want to do is resist God. I don't want to resist God. I want to cooperate with him. Lord, whatever you want, I'm in for. As I said earlier, God would use unrighteous people, Herod the Great, God will use unrighteous people like Nebuchadnezzar who had an encounter with God. I believe I'm going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven one day. So, don't fight what he's doing. Don't be like the mule. Some of you 
I'm just going to tell you, you're, you have more in common with the mule than you do the sheep. You're just hard-headed. Your wife is trying to talk to you and you won't listen. Your boss is trying to get your attention. You're tardy all the time. Your banker is trying to get your attention through all these checks you're bouncing all the time. And yet, you're just a mule. You're not paying attention. You're not learning. You're not making any adjustments. You're not walking in humility. And verse number two says, if you resist God, you're going to end up on the end of something very unpleasant. So don't resist God. And our little nation, as I said earlier, we're like Israel. Worship team, would you guys get ready to come out? We have resisted God, and we have rejected God, and we will have a spanking on the way. Any man, Proverbs says, who is stiff-necked, after he tries over and over and over, teenager, I'm talking to you. College student, I'm talking to you. The Lord is speaking to you over and over and over. Everybody around you is trying to get your attention, but not you. You're not paying attention. And what will happen sooner or later Something painful is going to come. And the writer of Hebrews said, you may not recover well from it. And most of us have made some of those mistakes. I want to stop right there. I'd rather take time and work through this rather than have to fill out a sheet. Your pastor, because of God's grace, was 20 years of age when I figured some of this out. Somebody brought Romans 13 to my attention. My older brother and I, I love my brother so much, Joe. And we loved our parents. There were just two of us. But my dad owned a business and we owned a small farm. And my dad was raised without a father and he was strong. He was strong-willed. He was 200 pounds of, we're going to do this. You didn't tell my dad no. I've heard him say, we're going to do something even if it's wrong. We're not standing, we're doing something. And that's just the way my dad was. And my brother would argue, we'd be on a job site and my brother would argue with my dad and I'd see them getting in each other's face. And there were times my dad would get on me about stuff. As a teenager, young man in college, I remember one time I had my fist balled up behind my back. And I thought, if he says one more thing, I'm going to level that old man. Of course, my dad would have pushed me through a barn. But I was so angry at my dad. And maybe today you're angry at your husband. You're angry at your mom. You're angry at a teacher. This verse told me, I needed to submit. I needed to let stuff go. Instead of defending myself, I needed to say, yes, sir. What do you want me to do, sir? I'll do it to the best of my ability. And when I learned that and my brother learned it, it changed our entire family because the anger left. My dad never felt challenged by his boys anymore. 
had two supportive sons who said, yes, sir. And instead of arguing, we hugged. I gave my heart to Christ at 18 and my brother did at 21. And my dad, who'd received Christ as a teenager, he came back to the Lord. I think because of the change in the hearts of his sons. And we learned to give honor to my dad and honor to my mother. Even when they were in their 70s, Dad, what do you think I should do? Because my dad and mom, they were assets. The scripture says to give honor to those who honor is due. The scripture to give respect. Respect your bosses. Respect those in leadership. Learn to appeal and watch God change those over you. And it'll be the greatest sign of Jesus' blessing your home. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that every word in this book is true. It always works if we will just humble ourselves. Stop acting like we know everything. And believe. Today we believe. Release anger today. Release strife from homes today. There's people watching and people in this room that have never given their heart to Jesus. Why don't you today stop running, stop fighting the one that loves you and say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior today. I'm tired. I can't fix myself, so I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we worship, there's people that will pray with you. Maybe you need to come to the altar and just say, Lord, I'm just sorry for being so arrogant. I'm sorry for being so full of myself. Forgive me. Today, I am subject to you and your people, and I will give honor, and I will give respect. I am going to, I'm going to grab Steve before he leaves. Can you all hear me? Not yet. Can you hear me? I'm going to grab Steve before he leaves because I feel like um, we have a chance right now to honor who God has put as our authority here in this body. Um, And he is very worthy of our honor. I've had other pastors and there's lots of other pastors, but it's so great to have one that's super easy to follow. I happen to have the best boss on the planet. And he is a man of integrity and honor. Aren't you thankful for him? not pay me to do this. This was all my idea. (laughs) Um, But I felt like he needs to know how much we're behind him and how much we love him because he's a good man. And we're so thankful for you, Pastor Steve. Can we pray for you? Will you stretch out your hand? Lord, we thank you for Pastor Steve. We know that being in charge, he gets targeted more than any of us do. God, we thank you um, that he continues to follow you even when things are hard. He continues to um, follow you 
um, when he continues to get hit by every demonic weapon and assault. God, we pray a guarding over him right now and him and Sue in the name of Jesus, that you would be a hedge of protection around their home. God, we just pray for quick healing over both of them. In the name of Jesus, we release healing over both of them. And God, we just pray that um, you would pour out your richest blessings over them. Continue to give him wisdom as he leads us. And God, I just pray that it, it would be a joy. We would, as a congregation, make it a joy for him as he leads, that we wouldn't make it hard on him, that we wouldn't complain, that we wouldn't gripe, but that we would be ones that pray and undergird him and appreciate the man that you've placed in charge. And God, we just honor him before you and all of heaven. And we just thank you for how much your spirit is upon him and in him for your glory and for your kingdom. God, may you use him as a man of peace in this region to bring about what you want to accomplish on earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are gonna wrap up today. We're gonna let Rob um, lead us in, in another song before we go just going to spend a little bit of time in worship.
our prayer, Lord, that you continue to rain your presence down upon us as a church body, Lord. God, that you would come and do what only you can do. Lord, I pray that we would honor your authority and your lordship in our life and that we would follow you well and be willing to lay everything down at your feet so that you can open up the floodgates, that we would bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that you can open up the floodgates in each one of our families, Lord. I pray that you would begin to bless families, unify families, unify your body here, Lord, in Church of the Savior. Unify your body here in this region, God, that your church, Lord, would be one as you are one with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. May we be one as you are one, Lord, so that you can open up the floodgates. Guard our families. Guard our leaders. And God, thank you for your lordship and your authority in our lives. And thank you, God, for the authority figure that you've given us in Steve, God. We truly do thank you for what you're doing in and among us. And we pray that you would continue to do what only you can do and to move in power. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that you all would have a blessed rest of the day. And if you want to continue to worship, we're going to just continue to pray that the Lord would let it rain. So go pick up your children, but feel free to continue to worship with us. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.